We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Monday, Monday, April 11th, and you know what we do on Mondays, right? We bring in James McCool. Mondays with McCool, James McCool is the co-author with me on the theory of daily fantasy sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass. You can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. You can also pick up the Thummy Thumbs. Pick them up, pick your thumb off the floor and push that button. It helps us out. Give us those thumbs. First day of the week, rise and shine. See you guys in the chat. Suki Singh, early as usual. Real life pitcher. We got him back. Oh, I haven't seen real life pitcher in a while. I guess it comes back just for baseball. Uh, Matt Mears is here. David Kalnis, Injustice 360. Card fan, Trey. Got Devin in the chat. Devin's been, been filling in a lot. For the past, past you know, that Eli's this way and Steve's that way, whatever. So it's been mostly, uh, mostly uh, Devin in the chat. Um, Injustice three sixty asks, are Vegas odds unreliable in MLB DFS? No, they're as reliable as they would be in anything. I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's it's the it's the it's the it's sports betting market, and over the course of uh, time, a long big sample size, it's 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 typical closing lines. Uh, 
are typically pr are pretty good. I mean, yes, it, it's not, it's, they're not, remember, they, these are medians. So it's like, oh, implied team total is, uh, is, is four and a half. Well, sometimes that's 12 runs. And sometimes they get shut out. I mean, like, it's just, it's the middle of a range of outcomes. Uh, James, you, you, I mean, even, even in MLB, right? I mean, sports betting lines, because of the liquid, the, the, I think a better way of putting it is that the more liquid the market is, the more likely that that those numbers are good, and you could you 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 can use those to even build your own projections. Yeah, uh, the the problem I will say that I think that baseball markets are of the major sports the least reliable. Quote unquote, they're still good. I mean, they're still like obviously going to be better than just building blindly. Um, a lot of models use top down for baseball because, uh, you know, like hockey, we see that Vegas totals are typically like between a five and a seven over under almost always. Sometimes you'll see a seven and a half. It's two like really high aggressive teams. And then you almost always see that team totals are somewhere between, you know, like two and five or something like that. That's, that's pretty much what it is. But for baseball, we have um, a pretty wide range of outcomes in terms of the over-unders and in terms of the, uh, the projected team totals and applied rentals and stuff like that. But uh, like you said, when, when we look at liquidity, when we look at how much action and volume there's going to be on sports, NFL lines are the most reliable because you get so much action on NFL. You get so much action on NBA. Like NFL and NBA lines are typically very, very um, solid over the course of the full season. And baseball, um, baseball is just not as popular. Like it, it's still popular enough that the lines are going to be pretty good. But in terms of liquidity and volume, it's the one that gets the least betting action, especially on retail books here in America. Um, I, I think that you could probably say that, especially early in the season, it's less reliable. But it's like, what else are you going to go off of? Um, if you build a top-down projection, it's not like you're going to be going off of. I can't. I literally can't even come up. With an example of something else that you could use if you're going to be building top-down projections. Now, if you if you're like me and you build bottoms up, then that's one thing. And then you're trying to say, okay, well, I can build a line that is as efficient as Vegas comes in, but you're still going to come close most of the time. So it, it's not like it matters. My process is convoluted in that I try to build up to a Vegas line, and then I come within three percent of it, and I'm like, okay, that's cool. When I could just be using the Vegas line itself anyway. So. Um, but the biggest lines are as reliable as there is volume baseball being the one that has the least betting volume. Um, I, I think even behind uh, hockey at this point. So keep that in mind, but it's not like you're going to be able to use anything else. Yeah. When, when I was uh, part of a, a small sports betting syndicate a long time ago, all, all we did was bet on baseball. Yeah. Like compared, compared to anything. Uh, I mean, what we were what we were doing were was was scalping. I mean, essentially arbitrage scalping, mm -hmm. and baseball. What? I mean, this is bad. This is two thousand and five, so this is this is ways long ago, and there, there was still uh, offshore sports books. the the big The biggest problem, I mean, the biggest problem to solve, I think, in all in all of sports betting, is two things: beating beating the beating the lines is the easy part. I, I, there's no issue with that. Uh, it's not like you could just blindly bet or anything, but like finding stale lines, arbitraging stuff, like you, you could do that. That that's that's 
That's the easy part to me. It's getting the money down and then managing your bankroll. I'm not talking about managing your bankroll as far as like in DFS, where we talk about like swings. I'm talking about getting the, uh, having the right money on the right books. So uh, if, there, if, you have, if you have accounts on 15 different sports books, like you have to be able to like make a $2,000 bet, a $5,000 bet or something like within a, the span of like maybe now it's, it's much quicker. Back then it was like in the span of 20 minutes, mm-hmm. right? But depending on what books you have money on, like you have to start transferring money around. So it could be like, you know, well, I could use this book to bet that line and then come around and bet the other way on the other book because you get that arbitrage in between. And then it turns out you only have $300 in the account. And then a lot of, especially back back in the old days, there were some some books that you could do with that some credit cards, some debit cards work. Sometimes you had to do a Western Union. You had to send it to some random, just like send it to this thing in Costa Rica or something. And then you'd have to email them and give them the code or whatever. And then within like six hours, they put it on. They put it on the book, and it's like, well, I don't have six. I don't have six hours to do that. So you kind of have to anticipate where over the what once you get used to it, you know what lines you're going to be using early and what lines you're going to be using late. Essentially, the ML the MLB system that that we used was we would bet most basically we'd bet most of the games, uh, with the the late lines. So you'd get you'd get basically the morning odds, like late like. It would be 10, nine o'clock at night and the games are still going on and you're getting the lines for tomorrow mm-hmm. and then betting that and then waiting and rebetting a lot of times the opposite side on different books on at four o'clock in the afternoon or six o'clock at night or whatever the next day. And you'll see dramatic shifts and depending on the, the trends of each sports book, you knew what what basically you could just basically predict the action because they were gonna they were gonna move based on liquidity. These were not sophi- 2005 was not as, as sophisticated of a time. They weren't profiling betting as long as long as you weren't scalping on the same book. You could they didn't really care, right? Right. So as as long as you're not in, if you if you're if you're betting the favorite at uh, at 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 minus one forty, like. Don't bet the underdog at plus one sixty five later later the next day, at the same book, because that even though technically it's all part of their old liquid market, but they view it as like you just basically stole money from us, right? Because it's like this, we'll bet the exact amount, so we'll we'll you know we could make you know seventy eight dollars automatically, right? Just based on it doesn't matter who wins, we make seventy eight dollars because he's like you just put that into Excel or a calculator, you figure out how much you need to bet on the other side. Uh, so you had to find the, you had to get the stale line at the other book or like the Yankees would get pushed too much. Like you'd find all these trends and different, different books, uh, had 20 cent lines. Pinnacle obviously had dime lines. So Pinnacle was typically like that. That's simply the early place you bet, but not the late. And then you just like the Pinnacle or Chris versus, and you get going Bodog back in the day. And you find all these stale lines that they don't leave up and you have to, the main thing was just getting the money down. Uh, but baseball, to me, baseball was the most exploitable because uh, the conditions of the games are, are the most likely to change more dramatically. Right, James? So like in NFL, 
if you if, if you bet on Monday, by the time Sunday comes around, obviously there's injuries, there's weather. A lot of times the weather is factored. Like I'm, now, now we're talking about 2022, right? A lot of times that's already factored in. Like the people will look at a weather forecast and go, "Next is it supposed to be cold, rainy, something like that?" And then the injuries, we get so much better injury reporting now, also that it's it's much harder, especially in, in such a liquid market like NFL, to to do those type. You could still do it. It's just it's not it's not it's tougher. It's not as easy. NBA, same thing. Maybe now. Back then, we would never think of NBA because, dude, back in 2005, we didn't get the we don't we don't have these accounts. Who's in? Who's out? And most of the teams, if they just played all their starters all the time. I mean, like it wasn't. It's not like load management and all this stuff now. So I can see an NBA. It's possible you have you could do that. You could just sign up for as many sports books as possible, put money on, bet nearly every game early. And then wait for the line to move and bet the other side, and just and you could just just scalp money away. But in baseball, it's much more likely that uh, weather shifts, pitcher changes, bullpen. Like you're, you're I, I, we're, we're betting uh, at like nine o'clock at night, eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night, while half the most of the games are still going on the day of, and. You know, you, you bet one side and turns out that that game, the game goes 16 innings and the bullpen is taxed. Mm-hmm. And it's like all of a sudden that 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 favorite goes from, you know, minus minus it's a it's a stud on the mound. It's a minus 220, but with no bullpen or whatever. And that then it starts coming down to like minus 180 by minus 175 or the run or the run total goes up. It was much harder to scalp run totals. And try to try to like you know middle that. Uh, we did more on the more money line stuff, uh, but back then, but that that back then was easy. I mean, if there were, if there were fourteen games on 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 a night, we'd we'd probably be betting on ten plus of them. Yeah. And then, as the, the the only time you lose the only time you quote lose money is if the if the if the line moves against you, right. And then you just got to, then, then you can still bet the other side, but now, you, now you're going to be taking a scalp loss, right? So now you're betting, it's like, oh, uh, no matter what happens, we lose $6, right? Because we didn't get the right side in the, in the beginning. And as long as you get the right, the, the, the right, I'm not talking about the winning side. I'm talking about the side that, that you close, that the number moves in your favor, right? right? And, and we, we, I mean, we did it for two seasons. Uh, it wasn't, it, we did it for the first season was okay, but it just started getting like just getting the money around made it just wasn't worth it wasn't worth the time. But I mean, you we were making I don't know anywhere anywhere from two to four hundred. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a big syndicate, right? It wasn't like that much money, but averaging averaging two three hundred dollars a night in in, in, in found money. Like not in no risk. I'm talking about like not there's there's no rooting interest in the games whatsoever. Like literally none. Like you can just look right there. We know we're we're getting $238 right here because we're betting the exact right amount on both sides when it moves. That's like we get that middle, right? We don't have to we don't have to get an outcome. Well, if it comes between oh, the run line moved from seven and a half to eight and a half. So if it's a four, if it's a five to three game, we win both bets. We it's not like that type of stuff. It's purely you bet on the favorite minus 140. 
it ends up being minus 185. You go and you bet on, on a on a even on, on a 20 cent line, like even on a 20 cent line, you're still getting plus 155. So you got 10 cents in between, right? So that's five cents of that's five five cents of profit. And depending on if you're betting a thousand, two thousand dollars or something like that, like just, you make five, you make five percent. There you go. Done. Right. So it's like that that's James, this, this is the type of stuff why why to me, like it's hard for me to do sports betting content. Mm-hmm. because like i don't i don't i don't view sports betting as as caring about like what the like the, you show me a market of a like, cricket or something as long as i understand how the odds work like that's all i'd be doing anyway i'm just like let me figure out what books move what lines and how liquid the market is then how do i get how do i get on both sides and, and capture the money in between between two books without uh without without getting at this point now without getting limited because yeah. the, the thing the thing about if you did this now, the problem doing this now, first off, is it's easier to get the if you do it all on legal books, right? Here's here's the issue. Sorry to go into so much, but we do we do sports betting content here at, at Roto Grinders. Mm-hmm. This is this is help. This would be helpful for people. Yeah. Uh, the problem with doing that now is most of the retail American books have similar lines. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be very hard for you to find arbitrage opportunities, right? Because the lines aren't going to be that dramatic. A FanDuel, DraftKings, BetMGM, like the, the the spread, the vig between the, the the hold that they have is also higher than it used to be, yeah. right? Back in two thousand five, finding dime baseball dime lines was easy. Almost every book had dime lines, right? The bad ones had twenty cent lines, but we see in baseball. We have 30 cent lines, 40 cent lines. It's like, I don't know what you can't, how do you arbitrage? The, the line's never going to move that much. Right. Right. It, I mean, it could, I mean, if, but obviously if a starter gets replaced, your bet is void anyway, because it, it, it's a much, it's, if, the, if the listed starting pitcher doesn't pitch, you're, you can't take advantage of that. Oh, Jacob deGrom minus 320. And then it's like, nope, bullpen game. And all of a sudden it goes down to minus 140 and you take the other side. That, you can't do that because they just void your first bet. Mm-hmm. Uh, even back in 2005. but Doing that now, you got two problems. One, it's harder to find arbitrage opportunity. You could if you if you were also betting offshore as well. Mm-hmm. So if you if you were at American books as well as, you know, who knows if you get your money type of books. Uh, and then the sec the second thing is that you're more likely to get limited by accident because essentially when you're arbitraging, what you're doing is you're you're beating the closing line on one side and you're probably you're actually probably not beating the closing line on the on the opposite it's it's very rare that you could get it exactly like what ends up happening this is this is what ends up happening you bet the favorite at minus 140 it goes to minus 185 you bet plus 175 on the underdog right when it goes to minus 185 uh maybe you're you're getting it on the way up and you're betting it at plus 175 and it actually closes at plus 180 right because to you you're getting the arbit you're getting money in between it, no matter what but you don't but it actually went past that yeah if you would have waited another half an hour you would have gotten another five cents hmm. right so the book that i'm placing that bet on i i didn't i didn't get closing line value i bet i bet an underdog of 175 that closed at 180 
And on the other book, I got I got closing line value because I bet a favorite at minus minus uh, you know one forty, and it went up to minus one eighty five. Now you're doing this between two books. Like, they don't know what you're betting on the other book, and they don't know like so you're doing all this, and maybe over the course of time, over the course of a month, it just so happens that you're you're betting early and beating the closing line on one book specifically more often than another book. So to one book, it looks like you're, you're, you're a dumber better, right? And to one book, it looks like you're, you're, you're sharp as hell because your CLV is so high, right? And then that book starts, then, then all of a sudden, you, now you're going to place a $2,000 bet and it's like, no, nah, it, it, 600 bucks or something. And then they start, and then, then that kind of ruins, like, and, you, and it's hard to, you would have to track that to make sure that you're not doing that. So if you see, if for instance, what you would be doing in Excel or whatever tracking method you have is logging where you bet everything. And then if, for instance, early, like the overnight lines, if if you're gonna, if, if there's two books to have minus 140 on that favorite and bet the one, the one that you didn't have the CLV recently, bet it on that one, right? So when it moves in your favor, it's you're not it's always moving in your favor on one side but a lot of times it's that's hard to do because the better line is on the is on some other on other side you have to essentially sacrifice ev to do that right because you you'll you'll load up the overnight lines and you'll see uh minus 140 on one book and then minus 142 on another book and then minus you know 145 or whatever and it's like well you should be you, you should be betting minus minus 140 but it's like, well, the minus one forty two book, we've had a lot of bad. We didn't, we didn't beat the closing line that often on that book. So it's like, even though the better line is minus one forty, or maybe it's on the minus one forty five book, right? Uh, like, but that's the book we we actually have. We look like the dumbest better on. Right. And it's like, well, do you want to give up five cents in order to make this first bet there, just for the sake of not having to make this? The, the the bets that we're meeting the closing line on so often on these other books. So like to, to me, that is the crux of, of sports betting. Like that, like what I've described right here in some fact, even if you're not scalping or anything like that process is what professionals is, is what uh, a what a certain percentage of the sports betting professionals do that aren't originators. Right. We're not talking about people that like make their own models and like, I think my model is better than the, the public's and then try to just get on the right, get on the right side of, of, of line value. Like I'm talking about, like, I really don't care. As long as I can predict where the line is going to move on books, I could, I, it could be tennis. It could be literally any sport because it doesn't, it doesn't really matter to me, but it's like that type of sport to me, that's what I view as sports betting and why, and it's the main reason why, like, I know a hell of a lot about sports betting, but I, what content can I, I can't do picks. I don't care. The, 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 the sport doesn't matter. I don't care. Just show, just, just get, get that. If you could download all the information of the past several years of all the line movement of all the books or all the like that, and then I can predict which books will have different lines at different times, then that's that's all I'll ever need. But I mean, it's 2022 and the books are way, way more sophisticated than they were in 2005. That, let me tell you, in 2005, nowhere near, I mean, dude, 
we would find we would find totally stale lines and we would find lines that would be up for hours hours where where it, the, what the fav, the favorite has risen to minus 210 because like the the, the batting order of the other, other team came out and like the two star players are resting today or something and then like there'd still be minus 160 lines about like it's already up to two minus two fifteen on like pinnacle, and then I could still find a book where I could bet a thousand dollars on 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 minus one sixty, because they have it hasn't had they they didn't post a different number, right? So that getting back to DFS, I mean, that's the main reason why you want sharp liquid markets when it comes to using sportsbook lines with DFS. So it's not a matter of if MLB is more reliable or anything like that. I think it's more of the uh, I think all the all the books all the books are way more reliable than they than they were back then. So like when people ask me, it's like, well, do you use like for my MMA model? I go, do you use like DraftKings odds or whatever? It's like, no, I use I I I use Pinnacle or Five Dimes or like something like that. Not to promote those sports books, which if you're gonna try to bet on that, it's you can't. As Americans, you can't. There are ways there are ways around it. Yes. So it's not like I'm promoting offshore betting, but. From a DFS perspective, I'd rather use those markets. Is that what you did? I mean, I'm assuming you 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 use that rather than than like BetMGM. Although you could, although the thing is, you could mm-hmm. if you because it's it's all going to be relational. Mm-hmm. You're going to be off, but you all of your thing is going to be off by the same relation anyway. Yeah. Right. And when you're playing DFS, you don't necessarily care. Like in MMA, I, I don't put in the the big free odds for the probabilities, right? Right, because the big is the same. I mean, I'm I'm going from one book, so the big is the same all the way through. Whether if if I have a, a inside the distance line of sixteen percent, and you take the big out, and it's really eighteen percent, well, that percentage is for the everything. I mean, so right. someone is forty two percent, it's really forty five percent, and like I'm not betting on anything, so all I need is just in relation to one another. Because I'm just, I'm just picking fighters. Yeah, yeah. I use uh, I use offshore books when I build and build top down specifically, um, just because they're they're better. I, I don't bet on them, but I I do use those to build uh, to actually build out the models. And then what I do is for something like the the NBA prop betting tool and for the N- and the NFL prop betting tool on site, I actually go and pull the from the sportsbook API for drafting sportsbook. Because I know that's what people are betting on. So I give those lines in relation to what the models have been built up on, but the models have been built up on offshore books because I think that they're better and I think that they're sharper. So I'd rather use the better ones um, to actually build up the projections and then put those up against retail books that people are actually going to be betting on because that there's there's no reason for me to use um, like DraftKings Sportsbook as a way to actually build top down because they're just going off of what the offshore books are doing anyway. So. Right. Can can you explain why the uh, those offshore books are considered sharper? Uh, I'm letting you explain. Typically, I would just, let, just explain for ten minutes and not let you talk. But I, I'm trying to practice letting my guests answer the questions that oh, I already know the answer. That's a wonderful self aware thing to do. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm rarely aware of doing it. I, I'm actually, or I'm aware I'm doing it and I just do it anyway. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's how you race. It's all good. Um, th- no, we, we've talked about it before. We actually talked about it a couple of weeks ago, or probably a couple of months ago, I guess. But 
Uh, the offshore books are where you can actually get down the action as things continue to go on. And then the retail books will look to the offshore books and then load up their lines based on what action moves off the offshore books. Which, I, I mean, that's that's why you use offshore books. That, that's, that's what the retail books are using anyway. So that I, you can wait for the retail books to to figure out how the offshore books are gonna move, I guess, or you can just use the offshore books, which are gonna load up quicker and, and be more reliable because there's so much more action and there's so much more volume on them. Um, it, well, it's, it's not necessarily the volume, it's it's the, the it's the, the dynamic is those types of books and truthfully the proper way that you should be a sports book operator is that you open, you have your own line, like the sports book has their own origination method. Mm -hmm. They post the lines with low limits. Right. So, so like like I said, for MLB back in 2005, like the typical, our typical limit was $2,000. Like we couldn't bet anymore on an overnight line because they weren't going to take $50,000. They weren't going to take that because they don't know how good the line is until people start betting on it. And then as people, as they get action in and depending on who's betting, like then they'll move the line. And then as they move the line, they'll increase the limits. Right. Because they're more, they're more confident of the line. Now, the, the thing is, is that on the not books that don't do it that way, typically what they're doing is going, we're not going to post anything until they, they do that process. Right. So you're going to see, you're going to, we're not, we're going to wait two hours. Wait, wait, wait until Pinnacle of Chris post the line see where much as it moves and then we'll then we'll start taking action because they, they they're trying to limit their risk as much as possible mm -hmm. and then then the, the retail books here in the united states are the ones where if we happen to be wrong we'll just weed out the people like those offshore books like pinnacle and chris don't weed out anyone they want they actually they they use those people to make their lines exactly yeah right so it's like so they view them as a value like yes we're going to lose over time to these people but we're the we're getting the information cheap instead of expensively. My my favorite term with that was uh, the owner of Bet MGM talking about sharp betters as clients and saying that the sharp betters models were so good that they were fine with losing to them because they were basically being consulted on how their models should be ran. So they they use sharp betters to uh, to make their lines better. Right. That that's what that's what you should be doing. Uh. Some people are not interested in the sports betting stuff. Some people are. I don't know. I never know. I never, I never know. There's no place for me to talk about it, really. So why not? Why not on a show like this? Well, and I mean, I, th I think that it, it becomes more uh, prevalent in the next couple of years, right? Like information like this is going to be really valuable in a year when sports betting is more, um, is more popular or more accepted, I guess, across the United States. I, I think that we move farther into um sports betting content probably in this industry rather than dfs content and obviously dfs content is still going to be really valuable but i think there will be more um betting content than there is now by a long shot uh whether that content will be good is completely a, an entirely different story no cut no comment yeah i know uh but uh, i would suggest if any if, if you're interested in the stuff that i was talking about uh get the logic of sports betting by ed miller yeah and that 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 is the best recent book that'll explain all the dynamics that I'm talking about. Yeah, right. I, I think that there will be obviously there will be a lot of people that jump in and um, 
start making content on sports betting and and talking about their picks for the day and such. Uh, and some of those people will be pretty good. But um, there will be a lot of people that are not pretty good and that are going to be selling you some snake oil stuff and saying, oh, this is such a bad beat. Like, I can't believe that I only lost this by one point. And it's like, well, why do you think the line was set at that? <laughs> and, and right. And those are the people that didn't get the good line. Right. Exactly. Right. If you lose, if you're like, oh man, you know, I, I lost this, this rebound prop. I had 6.5 and you only had six. That's such a bad beat. It's like, well, no, actually it was 5.5 at, at six. Like you got the bad number, right? Yeah, you, you got the line after it already moved. So right. um, that, there'll be a lot of people that um, look at it as bad beats and look at it as like not, not doing well, but um, the people who are really, really good will know how to, how to put that stuff out. And, and there are some people already in the industry that do pretty well. Like, uh, I, I just think that it, it's going to be something that there's going to be a lot more focus on it moving forward. And like me over at, at Paydirt, I'm already trying to put together some better, um, sports betting stuff for NBA next season. If I run NBA, I don't even know if I'm going to, uh, but for NFL, for sure, I'm going to have it. And hopefully the markets start adding esports as it continues to be like more of a more of a mainstream thing here in North America because I, I would love to be able to actually bet on esports on on retail books but you just can't right now and it's pretty massive bummer. right I, I don't I don't I don't bet sports at all no I know I know and well you you obviously don't need to and you don't have any interest in actually like trying to build a model to beat lines I like well that, that. but the, the point is like if I were to bet sports I'd be betting in the action in the way that I I've described not in a non-origination method, but right. let me let me let me put put it very clearly though. You can beat props, yes, no problem. Okay, you could. What I would, if you wanted to, and you didn't mind retail books, right? Like, so you you're probably giving up a little bit EV because you're not going offshore. But the problem with offshore is all the getting the money in legally, right? Mm -hmm. You're not supposed you getting someone else's account. You don't want to involve all of that type of stuff, which. Right syndicates would be doing uh but if if you wanted to make beer money right so i, I you have to put this into context if you want to make i'm going uh, vacation money for the year like if you want to go on a nice vacation for a week mm -hmm. on your sports betting that is absolutely 100 doable you you want to make five five grand for the year i think i think the likelihood of you success rate i would say is 90 plus percent if you simply take DFS models and bet props, yep. right? Like I could take like from MLB, what I would be doing, no offense to James, is I would take the bat, Cardi's model. He has the statistical projections in them, right? So you could go to the bat, the standard projections page and it'll break down every category and everything for you. And then just go to the sports books and you look at strikeout lines, you look at home run props, hit props anything like that and any and you don't have to like study study just even if you two or three times a day there are probably tools that you could you could overlay on your screen to to make it easier for you and just go across it's like well according to the bat you know he, he's 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 like he's like a 30 percent chance uh, you know a a 25 percent chance of of hitting a, a home run today and if the line, if the line is like plus three fifty or something, we'll bet it. There you go. Now you're not betting big or anything. You're I'm talking about fifty bucks a bet, 20, 20, 10 to fifty, depending on the, the type of bet. Obviously, 
a hundred bucks, like, and you're baking a whole bunch. So you're probably betting, you know, maybe, maybe you're finding 15, 20, 25 bets, possibly someone different. Obviously if you were in an ideal world, you'd be scaling your bet size, depending on how much EV you have, the, the more, the more inaccurate the line is, the more you should be betting. I mean, getting, putting that aside, if you just did that every day, you could spend maybe a total of an hour a day. You should be able, you, 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 if, if you don't clear like five grand, somewhere between five and 10 grand by the end of the year in all different types of sports, like it, I would say it's unlikely that you don't. The problem is not getting limited while, while doing that. That's why you're only betting 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 50 bucks. Right. But even then, I've seen I've 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 seen some people like oh, I can't bet here, and I'm I'm limited to seven dollars on 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 yeah. basketball props or something like like you run into that issue, but like actually beating the lines is not is is really not complicated, right? right. Going going around. So if but to me that's the that's the realistic thing. So if you, like if you want to tail people's bets, like Grant, like Grant is is great. At doing this, yeah, yeah. Grant is one hundred percent great at like, and he's also great at exploiting promos. He Grant knows his stuff. The problem is, is that you need to get the line at the same line that he's getting, mm-hmm. right? Tuning into live locks at two p.m. on the Scores and Odds channel would be much better than like looking at his picks at six o'clock at night, right? No, no offense. No, it's not. I'm I'm saying his content's good, but it's. It's, it's, you need to get the best of the law. There's a time limit on it. Right. There's a time limit on it. Right. So it's not about like, if, if, if Grant says, you know, like over, uh, you know, over eight and a half rebounds at minus 110, that's much different than over eight and a half rebounds at minus 135. Right. Or, or yeah. even worse, if it goes down, if it goes up to nine and a half. Right. And my, not minus yeah. nine and a half plus 110. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's actually no, you'd rather have eight and a half minus 110, yeah. right? Like, like, and or if it goes down to set, it goes over seven and a half minus 190, 180. Yeah, it would never be 190, yeah, but like 75 or something like that. Like, those bets so, may actually be equal to each other. Like, it may be that uh, that uh, uh, eight and a half over eight and a half, uh, you know, plus 110 for rebounds may be the same as over seven, over seven and a half at minus 150. Right, you have to know what what's the value of one re what what line value is worth one rebound, what line value is worth one assist, what mm-hmm. line value is worth one like the to me those are the most important numbers in all of sports betting. Knowing how much one point is worth, a half a point is worth in football, a half a point is worth in basketball. Like how knowing because you need to judge the money because you may look and it looks like it's like oh. I could either I could bet on this NFL game, like uh, I could pick plus four and a half for a team, or plus five. And it's like no, I'll take plus five. It's like well, well plus five maybe, maybe a minus one thirty bet. Mm-hmm. Plus four and a half may actually be a a plus one ten bet. I mean, like they're different, right? Even though it looks like oh, I'd rather take the other half a point. It's like no, I'd rather get the one that's the most profitable. How much is that half a point actually worth? And should I be betting plus four and a half at plus one ten? Or plus five at minus one thirty, and you may find that the the right the right the right thing is right in the middle, where plus five should be minus one twenty three, right, and plus one ten 
should be plus 112. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'd rather save the half a point and best plus four and a half because it's more, it's a more profitable bet, even though I'm not getting that extra half a point. So how much is it worth? So you need to find out how much is, how much is a, I don't know, in baseball, how much is a strikeout worth, right? Like those types of things. And then betting before, before, before the people, right? Before the, before the, the, the market moves enough that it becomes an unprofitable bet. So that's why like tuning in live to a show with someone explaining those things, right? While that having Grant looking at the going, I'm going to look through this and find the lines that are off with you on this show or something. Like that makes a lot of sense. Just by six o'clock, that may not matter that much. So speaking to that, I, I have a my my strikeout betting model from yesterday's slate, from like the main slate, not the not mm-hmm. the afternoon slate. So my Freddie Peralta and the way that I built built this up is I have specific thresholds where um, Freddie Peralta has like a four point three three percent chance at striking out three batters, a nine percent chance at four fifteen percent. 15.67% of five, but then I do cumulative so that you can actually put it up against a line and find out like how much exactly, like you're saying, how much does that strikeout work? So if you put the line at 6.5, um, that's the 68% chance in my model of hitting, which is cool. So if you put negative 175 at that, uh, you'd want to bet the over because, or yeah. Right. What's 60, what's 68%? Right, 68% is like what, 185? No, that's like negative 210. Right, I, I could put it, I could put this on the screen. So if you're 68%, that's minus 213. Yeah, 213. There right. you go. So, so here's an odds converter. I have it up on the screen. You go to, you go to ace odds. I don't know, the scores, I'm not sure if scores and odds has an odds converter. They should. They, they, hey, if everyone's listening, if Dan's listening, there should be an odds converter on scores and odds. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming there is, right? I, just, I, just, I, I don't look at it, so I don't, I'm not sure. Uh, so yeah, so what you would do is put it in and go like, if you, if you, I believe, like for instance, I'm gonna go to the, the bat projections. I'm gonna go to the, the uh, let's see, where, where are we going? Hitters. Now understand these are not necessarily, st- these are statistical median projections. So just because it says like plus, uh, you know, it's like here, Otani is 0.43. Well, that's like the range, the median of a range of outcomes that also includes two or three home runs, right? So like, it's not a, four, it's not necessarily a 43% chance, but you could kind of, if you wanted to treat it that way, I think you'd be directionally accurate enough. So for instance, for, if you say he's a 43% chance of hitting a home run, you could just put this right in, right? And here's here's the the odds plus one uh, plus one thirty three. So if you see Otani plus one fifty plus one sixty plus one seventy five, those would be profitable bets, right? Right, because you're getting you're getting the probability, the implied probability from the statistical projections, right? Mm-hmm. So you could do that for strikeouts. You could do that for for for, for anything. If the if the median number of strikeouts for instance, I could do that. Let's see. Let me let me move here. Go back to the pitchers. So, like we have Alec Manoa or something or whatever. We can look at strikeouts. Four point two six. Now five point oh six for K's. So about five. So fifty percent of the time, he gets five. 
So if you see a prop of five and a half, well, where on that that curve is five? That's what that's what you're doing in your model, right? So yes, in your right. model, like five point five strikeouts is probably something like like a forty forty five ish percent chance, right? And the the thing that I do is I I round it up obviously, right? So right. I wouldn't look at the, the line for 5.5 as the exact what it should be. I would look at what it should be for six. Right. So I, I haven't ran yet today. I'm running after the show. But for that Freddie for, Freddy Peralta example, if I had him at 6.5, so then we'd be looking at seven. I had him at a 47.67% chance to hit seven strikeouts. If the line that you have is 6.5 and you have it at 105, that's a bad bet. But if you have it at 150, then that's a good bet now because now 150 is a 40% implied odds and we're giving 47% on it. So you have a 7% range in between there. Right. So you, you have to make sure of these things. Like you have to be looking at it and different guys have different ranges of outcomes when it comes to things like that, right? I mean, yesterday I had Spencer Howard. I had him at a 40% chance to have three strikeouts and just a 6% chance to have five plus strikeouts. So if you have that 4.5 line, you got to have like a really, really big, uh, like it, it, it should be a big favorite on the under, right? It should be like right. negative 220 on the under or something like that. And if you have anything under that, if you're looking at like, oh, Even well, if you're looking at like minus 175, which right. looks like humongous, that actually may be a very profitable bet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like you really need to pay attention to that and pay attention to the range of outcomes. That's why I build these models up. I do the same thing for NBA and NFL, where like you can actually see the percentages of how often players hit certain thresholds because you need to understand and look at the odds that way. Otherwise, like you can't just blindly bet based on the median. I, you maybe could have done that five years ago, but you absolutely cannot do it now. So if, if you're not looking at the actual range of what happens for players, then I, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. But if, if, you, if you do that correctly, right? If you're just aware of the, I mean, this is not complicated stuff at all. No. Right? Uh, it's real. And I, 100%, I believe it's realistic. I, I could, if, obviously in Kentucky, sports betting is not legal. Obviously I could get around it. I can, I mean, I, there's, there's, there's ways. Uh, right well i mean i mean there's ways for me to bet from here yeah. right on the there, there are uh the problem is is that yeah you're right i could i, I could do it and make somewhere between five and ten thousand doing that for an hour a day all year the problem is is that i'm doing other stuff like i'm more profitable in dfs like i mean yeah. like like that that's that's the difference of like I'm already, I'm, there's no point in me doing that. Well, and think, right now, you know, like, that, like, unless I could get more volume down and, and, and it was legal, I didn't have to worry about, you know, you know, accounts getting closed and I'm not in the right jurisdiction or having to use someone else's account. I don't want, like, to me, that's, that's the stuff that, that's the stuff that makes everything a pain in the ass. And, and if you say that you could do this for one hour a day and you can make yes. $5,000 by the end of the year, what would be your dollar per hour on that? I love doing this. When we talk about like the amount of time that it takes for us to do something, I love right. doing Well, it'll be 5,000 divided by 365, right? 14 bucks an hour. Yeah, about 14 bucks an hour. I, I do all my work for 50. So that doesn't sound quite quite right. No, well, I'm not. I'm not I, why do you think I'm justifying saying why? Yeah. Why not? But if you're, if you, 
I'm not saying you have to bet every day. I'm, I'm, I'm giving jet broad things. Yeah, super general. Right, but it, it beating beating the numbers isn't the, isn't the hard part. It's consist. It's getting the money down and moving and moving money around and st- keeping accounts lo- alive. That's that's the harder part. Yeah. So like, but my my the thing that I don't like about the sports betting industry is that you know it's like oh we have the locks we have the picks we have the whatever and it's like oh with you you can make tens hundreds of thousands of dollars with with you know with our picks i don't know if i should be i should be saying that on on roto grinders or whatever but like like it 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 shouldn't be mar- it should not be marketed that way but it's not but i'm not also on the other side where it's like all sports betting content is you know it's like don't even bother you know picks don't mean anything you know like completely like everything's garbage like no not everything's and 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 realistically you can be you can beat it right mm-hmm. so it's the same thing for dfs right it's like it's hard but you could beat it sportsbook yeah. betting is actually easy to beat as long as you're disciplined enough to do it if you're starting to just be, like degenerately betting on stuff it's like oh well uh, it's it's an hour before the game and i i don't have bets in and you go around and there's there's, no, there's nothing of value and it's just like well i got to get something in because I'm a degenerate. Like you're then, then, then you're not. Then you can. Then that situation I'm talking about isn't going to happen. You're not going to yeah. be able to pay for your for your your a week vaca- family vacation or something like that for the year based on your your sports betting stuff, right? You have to be you have to be very disciplined. Yeah, and and I mean I think that that's where it comes down to. Like it's definitely more than an hour a day. Uh, and. And I, I only say that because maybe the amount of time that you are actually active in the sports betting and active in what you're doing, um, maybe that's only an hour, but you're really realistically like on call for like four hours, probably right. at least like four hours a day. Um, you know, I, Greg Ehrenberg, who uh, works over at Osmo, he's fantastic when it comes to sports betting and taking advantage specifically in NBA of like late swaps and and locks and, and people who get scratched and questionables and stuff like that. He's really, really good at it. Um, and I started trying to do kind of the same thing that he does and I don't have much time, but I have more time than most people. Right. Uh, and what you do is you just keep your phone on DraftKings Sportsbook or whatever sports books that you want to look at, like keep your phone open or like your, your monitor open or whatever. And then at after like morning shoot around and then like the 4 p.m. report later on in the day and the 1 p.m. report in the middle of the day, that's when thing that's when news is going to come out on players. And then you can find who is questionable, who's being ruled out, who's being ruled in, who's doubtful, all that kind of stuff. And you can hit the lines. You have about 10 seconds or so, I would say. News comes out. You have about 10 seconds on a retail book to go and hit one side or the other. So if you're good and you know teams intimately in NBA at the very least, um, you, you can go in there and you can really take advantage of some stale lines, as, as Jordan has said to them, but you only have 10 seconds. So you have to be on call during those hours every single day, doing it consistently and being consistently attacking the edges that it's representing. Otherwise, I uh, you're, you're going to fall apart at some point in the year. And then you're going to feel like you have to, you know, be a degenerate and hit lines just because you need some action on the day. Maybe you missed something earlier in the day. You are like, eh, then, you know, this, this line's a little iffy, but I got to have something down today. And it's like, well, 
you shouldn't do that ever. If you miss, if you miss something, never try to make it back up. That's one of the psychology things we talk about it too. You if, if, if you're, if you're trying to make money doing the, the key yeah. thing is that if you're doing, if you, if you're betting on sports for entertainment purposes, have fun. Yeah. Bet, bet whatever, the, bet, bet whatever you want. Right. I think the best thing that you can do as a sports fan right now is have DraftKings Sportsbook if if it's legal in your area and build a same game parlay for a game that you go to. That is the nuts right now. Like that is the best entertainment that you can possibly have if you go to a game. I, I it's think exp- it's expensive entertainment. It from, a, from an EV perspective, it, like I, I I wouldn't be able to I wouldn't be able to live with myself. It would be so fun. I, 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 I couldn't I couldn't live I I can't live with myself doing that. I have not gotten to go to any sporting events since I lived in Tennessee, but I do want to like go to some games at some point um, or at least go. Who's, who's the closest baseball team here? Cardinals, right? Yeah. St. Louis, I guess. Yeah. St. Louis Cardinals. Okay. We should go to, I, I should go to a Cardinals game and do smash GPs just because it's, it's oh, why? So oh, oh, I mean, I don't care. About I, I couldn't live with like 40%. Some of these SGPs have like 40% holds and I'm like, I couldn't live with myself even for a dollar. I couldn't do that. I, I can put down ten dollars. It's the same price as a freaking hot dog at the stadium. Mm. Like I'm gonna buy that too. I'm not as big of a nit as you. I really enjoy right. the entertainment. A th- okay, do it, do it, do it. SGP with two or three or something. Okay. okay, even that. I mean, I cringe at that also. But I mean, these when I see six and sevens and eights, I'm like, are you kidding? Like that's why they're pushing them so much. Mm-hmm. Right, an eight-leg SGP that's like forty percent hold. Get out of here! I can't possibly and do that. It's even worse on the DraftKings sportsbook. On the FanDuel sportsbook, you get like it's it's not as bad. It's still dead. Dead. Dude, no, it's terrible. It's terrible, dude. Anything, dude. I don't even like anything. And ten percent is. I I, I go. I, that's ridiculous. You you just want the dimes. I get it. I totally understand. But like, if you put in anybody watching right now. Go build an SGP on DraftKings and then do the same one on the FanDuel Sportsbook and you will never bet an SGP on DraftKings Sportsbook ever again, ever. Like, it, it's drastic. We're talking like, I, I mean, it's got to be like a 20% difference, at least. Yeah, but it's still not, it's still not enough to make up for the hold. If I no, not to, for That's you. why if you, if you do, if you want to do twos and threes, I get it. Yeah, that makes sense. You're paying the vig for the entertainment. I, okay, but it, it's not. It's not. It's not drastic holds right. on the three. But the, the eights. I, I mean, I people put do thirteens. I go. You're you're oh, you're yeah. nuts. You're, you're flushing money away. Enjoy. If you're gonna you do a th- if you're gonna do thirteen fourteen, you know, just bet them individual. Just just bet a hundred bucks individually and just take that. That if if most likely you don't have an edge on fourteen bets in one game. But I'm I mean, if, even sure. if you don't, even if you're just flipping coin, even if you're just flipping coins, get the entertainment of like, oh, out of these 14 bets, maybe I win 10 of them, right? Or something like that. And then you make money, like, but to have a, them all together, I mean, that's, I mean, that's how sports, that's how they make their money. SGPs are awesome. Oh. They're fun. Oh. I know you hate them because, because you hate fun. You only care about efficiency and money. And no, but people- it's not fun. It's not fun to throw your money away. That's like you say it's not. No, I'm I'm not. I'm 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 for fun. And you know what's fun? Not throwing forty percent of my money away. I don't know about that, Chief. <laughs> I I think that especially if you're going to a game, if you're going to a St. Louis Cardinals game, one, you probably already hate yourself. So you might as well <laughs> throw another forty percent away. And two, you're gonna buy a hot dog there anyway, which is the, like 
there's got to be a 40 percent hold you get on the nourishment from it at least you do not like oh i got a, i got a six dollar hot dog you do not lie to the public and say you get nourishment from a hot dog i was just at wrestlemania we were eating stuff at the the the, the stadium uh, I'm, I'm sure that, that was yeah that was just nursing. i knew how expensive it was. what else are we doing we're going to be sitting here for six hours how was that by the way how, how was your trip good it was good it was wrestlemania yeah no didn't uh the undertaker retired right yeah i was at the retirement ceremony the, the, the whole ceremony there that's really really cool he's he was right. one of my favorites when i was watching things going on okay well, let me answer some questions in the youtube chat i'd eat so Whatever our, our conversation in the past 50 minutes was either absurdly interesting to some people or, fell, or other people fell asleep, right? But it seems like so many people want to talk about sports betting. It's like, okay, I don't talk about that much. Here you go. And then somebody like, I'm here for just DFS. I don't care. Uh, let's see anything else before we get out of here. Oh, Daniel Keene, five top tens this week. Oh, I'm just scrolling back. Congratulations for that. Yeah, yeah. We already talked about this. Dave Spag says Alex Wood's not listed yet at FanDuel as a starting pitcher. Because he, he we have him in line of HQ for San Francisco. That'll all get sorted out. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's noon. That, that, any I mean, we're getting to the point where the back end of the rotations and we don't know if we're gonna start this person or that person or bullpen game or whatever. Yeah. Uh so they'll, they'll get they'll get that sorted. Uh, I saw a couple of others in here. Are they deleted? Oh, is it worth playing to play cash in MLB over the course of the whole season? Maybe. I would say, I would, if anything, I would play on Fanduel over DraftKings. I think it's really, really hard. I think it's hard to be profitable in cash in MLB. On DraftKings, definitely. I, I would agree with that on DraftKings. On Fanduel, I, I think Fanduel is soft enough that you can, but you have to weigh it over the. It's one of those things you have to commit to it mm-hmm. for the season and play, set aside money and say, this is my cash bankroll. And it's completely separate from any other part of your bankroll. And just like, even if it's like, here's $2,000, right? And it's like, I'm starting day one, opening day, whatever. And I'm only betting five to 10%. Mm-hmm. Pick a number, 10. Don't go more than 10, probably. So 10% of 2000, so 200 bucks, right? And if you double your money and you have some head to heads, right? So you're not necessarily gonna, you may turn 200 into 328 and whatever. And now you have 2128. So the next day you're betting $212, you know, you're putting in $212 in volume. And you just, and all you, that, I mean, that's all you do. And you just, you're spitting out some optimal cash lineup, whether it be from the bat projections, the Roto Grinders projections, aggregated stuff you want to you don't want to play the top lineup you want to play the third lineup that i mean the top 10 lineups in baseball dude the top 50 lineups in baseball i mean within one or two projection points is perfectly fine baseball is such high variance between you know well who do i play do i play uh do i play soto or do i play trout or do i play uh acuna i mean he's not back or whatever like like dude that's gonna make that's gonna be the, the difference between winning and losing and projecting between those, one guy goes 0 for 4 and the other guy has two home runs. And them's the breaks. Like, those aren't the decisions you should be like, like, oh, my God, what do I do? It's like, no, over the court, just pick someone. And over the course <laughs> of, of, of six months, 
hopefully you come out with uh you know positive roi but it's it's not it's not fun i mean it's if you put in two if you put in two thousand dollars and you have a good season in cash you'll finish the season with like six thousand dollars yeah and you'll and maybe at, at one point you'll be down to like 800 bucks or 600 bucks or something and then you have to work your way up and then 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 at some point you maybe you're up to Ten thousand, and then by the end of the season, you're down. It's like, like if you could, if you could triple your bankroll at ten percent per slate, I would consider that to be a very good season. Yeah, right. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to do something like that, but you have to. It's a thing that you have to kind of commit. You, it's not the type of thing where it's like I'll play cash once in a while. I'll play like, like it's better to just treat it like an index fund in the stock market and just like I'm, I just invested two thousand dollars. And I all and and decrease the amount of time that you have to do it, right? By just I aggregate these projections and I choose randomly one of the top five. You go to random.org and you go one to five, which one, and then that's the one and you put it in. So it's like no thought process. You spend most of the day entering contests, right? Every so often. And there you go. Like if you wanted to do that, cash games, I think on FanDuel MLB, that's what I would do. DraftKings, you could probably do that also, just that. I think that the cash lobby in MLB in DraftKings is I is is much much sharper. Well, and its orders of magnitude more difficult with two pitchers rather than one. Right. So it's it's just I I think that honestly, and I I have said before that I, I've told people that it is a good thing to play cash game to try and build up your bankroll, but in MLB like the the variance and the the way that scoring works in baseball. Um, you can build a cash lineup that ends up like what, what we aim for. And like what Jordan and I always say is that you want to be somewhere between like the 40th and 68th percentile when you finish your cash games, that's just where you want to end up like the vast majority of the time. And I think in baseball, it's really, really, really hard to hit that consistently. I think like, it's just going to be all over the place in where you're finishing and it just because those events happen and, and the event oriented sports, it's, it's super correlated. So typically we say to like, Oh, you should probably try to avoid a little bit of correlation, but like in, in cash games, you should try to avoid a little bit of correlation to keep your floor up, but because it's a highly correlated sport, it's like, okay, well, this team has a team total of 14. So like, I'm going to get like six of their a players. game total of 14. There's no game Whatever. total of 14. Whatever. You, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, team game total of like 14. So of course you're gonna have like six players from that game and then you're correlated anyway. And I, I think that baseball is just it's it's my favorite DFS sport because it is such a good GPP sport. Um I I just think that cash games kind of right. I I rarely I, I dabbled every so often. Yeah. Most most I mean NBA, I'll play cash, soccer, I obviously play cash games. Yeah. I mean, I played cash games in almost every NFL. Mm-hmm. MLB, unless you do as described and just play like an index fund, I, I, it, it doesn't interest it. There's, there's more expected value. There's more ROI in playing large field Jeep. I'd rather devote the volume to that, even though I know the swings are going to be bigger. Well, because th- think about what I said with the, that 40th or 60th percentile range. Like if you can hit that consistently and you know that that's kind of what you're building for, then you should be playing cash games. But in, in baseball, in baseball, like, you can't even do that. In baseball, sometimes your cash lineup is like, oh my God, my cash lineup is like, would, would end up being like top 20 in a GPP. It could be the nuts. Right. It, it could be the, be the right. It could be, you're, you're probably, it's a high scoring slate because you're probably playing higher own 
pitchers and somehow are a high on stack or something like that. But, but it's also the type of thing where if you're playing cash games, cash, whatever, if you want to call it cash games, if you know that you're going to be more correlated or somewhat different than most of your, the field of cash players, it would be much more beneficial if you don't play double ups and just like triple ups. Triple ups or single entry. Right, or single entry or quintuple ups and head to heads and forego the double ups. If you know, if you go like, okay, I see the ownership around the industry. People are going to play, uh, you know, on, on, on DraftKings. This, this pitcher and this SP2, and they're probably going to pay down a catcher here. They're going to play Mike Trout there. They're going to do, you know, and you could see what it is. And you go, well, based on my projections, based on the bat, based on the plate IQ projections, based on an aggregate or something like that, like within the top five lineups or something, there's the, here's this lineup that that doesn't have Trout and, and the SP2, and I'm playing a 4% owned SP2, right? And then and then it wants to actually play uh, three of players from the same team. Most people are playing... You know, all three players are owned, but most most people in cash are not going to play all three together mm-hmm. because of the way the salaries work out because you're playing Trout here and you're playing this pitcher there and then it doesn't work out. So now your lineup is a little bit more correlated and a little bit more different, which means if you, if you beat, if your lineup is like five points better than that optimal, than that first lineup or whatever, the more owned lineup, you're going to pass a lot more people in your contest. Yeah. So would you rather, if you're going to come in in a, in a 23 man double up or something, if, if 13 to 15 people have kind of the same lineup, like two V two type of lineup and you beat that lineup coming in like four, third or fourth place in a, in a 23 man double up means you're most likely going to come in like top three spots of an 11 man triple. Right. So like you'd rather triple your money than double your money. Right. So it's more, more productive. The more different you are from the cash field to get paid off for that difference mm-hmm. rather than just doubling your coming in first in a double up is, is, is not good. Right. Cause you would have much rather been in triple ups then. Cause most of the, the correlation between double up participants and triple up and can double up participants is very high. So it's not like the type of thing where, well, this, the people that are in my double ups are not in my triple ups. Like, no, no, typ- typically it's, it's, uh, it's people entering everything in the lobby, right? They're playing all the double ups. They're playing all the triple ups. They're playing all the can double up. In the, even in the single entries, they're playing that still that same lineup, which is kind of a leak. Uh, so you want to get paid off for it. So if you're just playing double ups and you know you're going to be, di- now there's a difference. If you don't know you're going to be different, then obviously you don't know that. And the more that you're likely to be the same, avoid all of those contests. Like, don't play triple ups. Don't play quintuple ups. Don't play head-to-heads as much. Play more of the double, right? You want to get, if you know you're going to be part of a train, you'd rather be part of a train in a larger double up. Mm-hmm. So you're more like, don't play the 11-man double ups. Play the as large of the double ups as you possibly can. So like, if the train ends up falling, like the train can make up, even if, you know, you, uh, you're going to have like 30 people with virtually the same lineup, maybe 1v1s, 2v2s. Like you want more, you don't want an 11 man double up where, where five people have the same, you have the lineup is the same as five people and you come in fourth place and end up losing money. Right. 
So you want you want 62 mans and 124 mans and all those types of things rather than that. So like like to to me, James, I mean it's been a, a little bit longer episode. I I'm more to me, I, I view these types of episodes as more as more useful. Yeah, I do too. Do we play Michael Lorenzen on today's slate? I don't know. Uh but to me, this is this is this these are the types of things that this is how you win at DFS. This is how you win at sports. This like thinking in this capacity, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great. You you got you you played fifty dollars worth of double ups and you got a hundred bucks, and your lineup did great. And it's like, well, what happens if, instead of the fifty dollars in double ups, you had twenty five dollars in double ups and twenty five dollars in triple ups, right? right? You would now have one hundred twenty five dollars in your pocket, not a hundred dollars in your pocket. And what if you played 25 in double ups and then 15 in triple ups and then $10 in a single entry GPP and you took down everything? Well, maybe you don't, but maybe you don't come in first. Maybe you come in fourth, right? And that's, and the fourth was 500 bucks. And it's like, okay, more, there's more upside there rather than now. This doesn't mean it's like, oh, you got to put, got to put your cash line up in GPPs. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you know, if, the better you are at DFS, you would know. It's just like, yeah, my cash line is going to be kind of different today than most what most other people are doing. You're still going to play it in cash, but now it's like, now I want to capture the. We we have the three levers of DFS. We always talk about, right? We talk about projection, correlation, and leverage, right? So if we're if most people are ramping up the projection, not the correlation and leverage, the more that you're raising that leverage leather, you're not doing it on purpose. Your lineup looks to you that it projects better than those other lineups. It's just those other lineups are going to be more owned because people are looking at some other project or they're going to do something else, right? They're not going to pay down twice a pitcher, right? Everyone's like, I can't trust. Like you may, in your projections, especially the bat, finds these, you know, $6,400 pitcher in some great matchup that like it's only going to be like 5% owned. And he projects for as much as the 9K pitcher that everyone's playing. Yeah, I get that right? a lot. Yeah. Right. So you play that guy. Now you get to pay up for an extra bat. And you know that in most of your in most of your cash games, people are going to be playing that night, like not going to be playing that. And now that you know that now you should be in the lobby entering triple up like the, that's the situation. And you don't do that in the beginning. You have to see where it, where it goes first. And then if you see that you're yeah, I'm, uh, it's NBA and it's one of those slates where, you know, three guys are out and everyone's playing like. Did, did like two teams essentially it's like what's the point of trip what's the point of what's the point of being in a, an 11 man triple up where eight players have the same line right right like you're not you're, you're never going to triple your money right you're most likely going to chop the other three guys's money in the in the contest and barely even double your money right because eight-way tie for top for three spots up there is not going to be profitable so it's like but in a double up and head that, that may be fine Oh, we talk a lot about this and more. Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass. How to think like a professional DFS player. What are the top 1% of players doing? That, that They're thinking this way. So it's 15 hours long. It's nice and structured. Like all the stuff that we talked about today, other than the sports betting stuff, is, is in the course. But instead of having to, you know, I've, I've, dude, if you go back to the first pregame show, and watch all of them in a row. 
everything that's in the court, you could, you could get everything in the court if, if you wanted to do that. It would take you like 500 hours to do that. So you can have it all in one place, like a little seminar, 15 hours long. Theoryofdfs.com. And James, no, uh, congratulations, no more basketball. Or are you, are, you, uh, are you doing playoff basketball projections? I am. I am. Uh, so it's not, you're not, you're not done with NBA yet. No, 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 no. I am done with the dumb NBA, right? Uh, like, and like the play-ins and the playoffs are so easy. The problem with NBA, and I'm not going to go on a rant here, but the problem with NBA is that like, you have to be sitting there and rerunning and redoing a whole bunch of things throughout the day with play-in and playoff. Like I can run it once at like 3 PM and be done. Like I don't have to touch it anymore. Most of the time unless we have like some sort of questionable. And then at worst, I can run two different models and be like, here's the one with them in and here's the one with them out. And that's easy. So I'm, I'm very happy that uh, the NBA, that the bad NBA is done. Um, much happier that baseball is back. And once they figure out the, the time, the weird time starts, which has been annoying to start the year, um, it'll just be smooth sailing all the way through. KDirtDFS.com. Yep. All, all your needs for Madden Sims, no matter what happens. I, I haven't been running Madden Sims as much. Have you been playing those contests? Um, I've been playing when I run them. Yeah, okay. but I, I have been uh, I've been focused so much on on MLB coming back that I, I haven't had as much time to run okay. uh, Madden Sims. But when you know, again, the, the time starts thing. Once that gets figured out, then it'll be a lot easier. Yeah, well, trust me. By the time we get to like July, I'll be sick of baseball and we'll be talking about Madison's again. There we go. Yeah, exactly. Oh no, we'll have USFL. I ain't, I ain't playing that. I, I don't want to play either. <laughs> so you can follow James on Twitter at paydirt underscore DFS. You could follow me at Blender HD. We got that, like I said, Grant Show on uh, Scores and Odds, uh, Live Locks on the Scores and Odds YouTube channel. So subscribe there. We got Grinders Live later today with Dean and the boys. Uh, I always say the boys, because I'm not sure who, what two people are on. I should probably look at the schedule. Uh, 4.45. And then immediately after that is crunch time. And crunch time is not just for premium members. It's free. It's free all season. MLB, free, sponsored by FanDuel, right? So play those MLB cash games on FanDuel. Obviously, James wants you to, you know, SG, if, yes. If you're going to play SGPs, probably I think they're better. I think you're, you're right on FanDuel. Just do two, please, for the love of God. Just do twos and threes. That's fine. Fine. I, I, the knit, the EV knitted me is allowing the world, is allowing my viewers. <laughs> if you want to have some entertainment with SGPs, just do twos and threes, right? I don't want you to see tw tweeting me these, these 10, these 10 leg SGPs and going, you know, that's entertainment. It's like, good luck. To, good luck to you. Right. I you like 50 people who just like send you the worst SGPs you've ever seen in your entire life. Okay, dog. Hit that thumbs up button anyway out the door. Hit the thumbs up button. Subscribe to Roto Grinders Premium, obviously, to get uh, get all the tools, lineup HQ, all the content. Click on the link in the description if you want a combo premium package. You get ten dollars off your first month, and uh, and I'll see you guys tomorrow. We got we got two slates today. I'm not playing the early slate, but I, I will be playing the late slate on FanDuel, and we'll be going over stuff from Results DB and talking about that slate tomorrow as well as. Everything we got plenty of time for MLB DFS chatter, right? Right. We had, all week it'll just be stacks and pictures and what do we do? So uh, save your questions to then because I'll answer them as always, like I do on the DFS pregame show on RotoGrinders.com. <laughs>